Well, you're on a roll here. Is that four for four today? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep this going for 30 days straight at least. It's, it feels it feels weird and good at the same time, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm getting more honest, uh, um, and it's not even honest in, in any real way. Like I feel like I, I'm always trying to speak the truth on the blog, but I feel like my true voice is coming out more because I'm I'm trying less and less to manufacture it. I think that that's um, the power of doing it every day is it breaks down the pretenses because you can have those pretenses set up, you know, like the, we all get into like this fake voice. Um, But then like after two or three, maybe even after a week, you're like, you're just like too tired and that voice doesn't come out at all. (laughs) And you're like, I'm lucky I got anything out today. So that's about as honest as it gets. Absolutely. And and it's funny you say that because the post that I put up today is literally that voice. That's when things get really interesting because you start running out of ideas too. <laughs> well, it, what's funny is I the the thing that I have I posted today. Um, I feel like there's just ten subjects specifically in that already, um, and and I I could literally sit here and write for the next ten hours um, about the perils of aging and what it does to you. You know, not just the bad stuff, but the good stuff as well. Um, but today, I just, you know, it's one of those days I woke up this morning and my body was sore and, and old and creaky. Um, you know, in the afternoon, I felt kind of tired because the sun was out and I was trying to like survive my way through that. And then obviously in the evening, like I've never, I've never been cold in my life. I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, I've never been susceptible to cold the way most people are. Um, you know, I used to practice um, on, the, on the ice hockey rink, for example, in shorts and a t-shirt. My teammates used to think I was crazy. So for the first time in my life, like I'm, I'm cold <laughs> and I, I don't, I don't really, I'm not used to that feeling. That's true. When I think about it, I've never seen you wear a heavy jacket ever. ever. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't do it, man. I just don't do it. You know, you know, I, I think unintentionally we've the, the last like three minutes worth of conversation are like perfect for this episode. So have we started chat? No. Yeah, we started. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I figured as much. I'm getting a lot of like weird interference though, so hopefully that's yeah, not going to yeah, come not, across. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I've never really been a code guy, you know. Like, he, he, I, I like my mobility. I know that sounds super weird, but it's a, you know, it's 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 a preference of mine to have um, as much movement in my limbs as possible. And I've always felt, you know, like wearing heavy jackets and things like that have have hindered that. But um, I, I. I'm now layering up. I've got you know, a sweatshirt, a, a long sleeve t-shirt, a regular t-shirt on. I have sweatpants and socks on. I used to never wear socks around the house. Like I used to walk, I walked around barefoot um, essentially up until I was like 35. Um, <laughs> you know, I never wore socks or slippers or any crazy thing like that. But now every day, man, my feet get cold. I, I, I put on some, these little muckluck looking booties, you know, walk around. I have always been the same thing with... Well, actually, I take that back. Apparently, according to my mother, who I was talking to about this the other day, when I was a kid, I never wanted to take off my jacket, my coat, and my socks. Um, my shoes and my socks, I mean. Um, but then I started walking around barefoot, and my whole life, I've always wanted to be barefoot. And 
right now. It's not even that cold. Right now I'm wearing thick socks and slippers. Nice. <laughs> we're old men now, I guess. That's yeah, what happens. we're old men. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it, and it's weird how, oh man, this is such a great... It, it, this literally rolls exactly into what I wanted to talk about for this episode, um, which is how differently we see the things we hold so dear um, with age, you know? Oh, yeah. And not even not even the the, the, the obvious stuff, things like books we've read or anything like that. Um, and even more recent things like Inception, for example. I, I have a very different feeling towards that movie now than I did when I first saw it. How so? Um, I understand the plight of feeling old and feeling lost mm-hmm. in the oldness. You know what I mean? And I and I never really quite understood that before. I, I didn't understand the 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 dreariness of meandering through a life so familiar that it seems to repeat itself every day. You know, um, even though I'm not a parent and neither are you, when I watch movies, I, I find myself watching parents in movies more often. Like I was watching Home Alone recently and I found myself thinking a lot about uh, the mother in that movie, Catherine O'Hara. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man, what that... Mo-? And I realized, I'm like, I wasn't sympathizing with uh, with Kevin anymore. I was actually thinking about her. I'm like, that sucks. You're like all the way across the country. Your kid is home alone. And it was a, a completely different movie experience for me. Yeah, it's really weird. Also to think of... Uh, oh, it's- it's it's weird you say that. I just recently watched Die Hard again because that's the go-to Christmas movie for me. <laughs> and and it's really weird to think that, um, you know, like even in the later Die Hard movies, Bruce Willis's character, um, you know, you, you try to think of what his motivations are. Um, like I, I think the one that I'm thinking of specifically, specifically is Live Free or Die Hard, which by the way, a lot of people hated, but I actually really, really liked. Um, I, I really liked Timothy Oliphant as an actor and I thought he was a great villain. And I also like Maggie Q as a, a badass action star. So, you know, she's also extremely beautiful. So it kind of helps and she kicks ass because she actually knows Kung Fu. Um, but I, I keep thinking to myself, what are the motivations for Bruce Willis's character in, in a lot of these movies, right? So the first couple of, the first Die Hard is obvious. You know, he's just wrong place, wrong time. And that's kind of the running theme through all of these movies. But in Live Free or Die Hard is a different situation. You know, he, his kid is involved and... I now completely understand that I, I see the movie through a different lens. You know, I see the movie through the lens of, of, of a parent trying to save their child and not a guy trying to save his country out of some weird misplaced sense of patriotism. And it becomes a much more specific experience. Like the emotions become more, more raw to me because it's, this guy will literally do anything to save his daughter. I think that's why they say that. Um, I think it's, it's a misunderstood thing when people say, as people get older, they become more conservative. And I think that for a long time, especially me, I interpreted that in a political sense. But in reality, it's a it's an outlook on the world. Um, you know, you, you start associating in a more conservative way in the sense that, um, you know, like, oh, these, these socks are nice. You know, these, these are nice socks. And yeah, the socks <laughs> I'm wearing right now, somebody gave me and the, they have Santa Claus's face on them. And I would have been too cool to wear these when I was younger. But, you know, I'm home alone. <laughs> I'm recording a podcast. My feet are cold. These socks are awesome. And that's, you know, <laughs> it's like a more more conservative outlook where you're just like, oh, you're appreciative of smaller things because you've seen so much already. And I think that that's part of what that means. And it's also the idea that when you're younger, you know, everything is new. 
and you're you're conquering something all the time. When you're older, you you've you've failed and and succeeded all probably all you're going to do in the majority of the bulk of your life. Now you're trying to reap the benefits of your successes and your failures. So you're 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 settled in into a worldview that's probably not going to change much. You know, old people aren't real older people aren't really changing political parties or changing, you know, their taste in movies. They just sure. they've already figured out that like, this is what works for me. And I think that's a quote unquote conservative perspective. You know, the interesting byproduct of that for me too is just a stronger sense of appreciation for things. Um, and I, so I know that sounds really corny. I mean, all it, we for, as, as, as kids and as rebels and as writers and as the, the dickheads we are as we're growing up, like we have this, this, this automatic um, reaction to the establishment, right? Like we, we all, like, especially guys like you and I, like we always want to buck the establishment, like read some Hunter S. Thompson or some Bukowski and be these rebels and, you know, find that hidden um, Sonic Youth track on a, an LP that you could only buy in like Spain in 1995. I know that's weirdly specific, but that's actually there. Um, <laughs> the, but the, 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 the weird thing is all of these corny, stupid things like, you know, um, these, these songs about friendship and kindness and care and, and the friendships that I have now and the relationships that I cultivate through those friendships are actually things I, I value in, a, in what I consider to be a much older way than I ever have. And that's a very recent thing in my life. Yeah, there's this, I think, in some way, which is funny, because this is some of the stuff that kind of comes up in the novel, but maybe now that like we're talking about it and in the time I've been doing this, I realize I'm like, oh, I could go deeper on this stuff. But there's the idea that life, um, it, most people, it beats the snottiness out of most of us. And that's not, that's not necessarily a negative thing. In most cases, that's a good thing. You know, when you're young, you want the fire because the fire is what uh, it drives you to try things that other people haven't tried. That's how we break new ground. That's how the world evolves and changes and society changes and grows. That's why, you know, racism goes out of favor because of young people. You know, old people aren't changing their minds on those things. It's just like we said. But as you get older, life slowly beats those things out of you with like those, those same successes and failures that we were talking about. And that changes your whole worldview on everything because as it's beating those things out of you, it's, sometimes it's beating it out of you with, like you said, soreness, back pain that you never had before, <laughs> uh, bumps in places that they don't belong. Um, and it, as you get older and those things happen more and more, you move closer and closer to a reality of being dead. And you learn to appreciate the things that are less flashy because you know that they don't sustain. So you're looking for something sustainable. I'm moving towards death. Uh, people bring me comfort. People are valuable. Oh, I'm learning that now. You know, like that's, I think that's what happens. Yeah, it's it's crazy to imagine that. Like, I mean, that's mortality is such an interesting thing. Um, and and I I will I will be honest about that now. Like, I I've never in my life really thought about it. I, not even a conscious thought of any kind about you know. Um, and I guess that's that's kind of the invincibility of youth. Um, and and you're right. I think that the snottiness comes from that. You know, it comes from the sense of of just just undeserved invulnerability <laughs> that we all think we have through a certain age. And, 
And I think the conservative mindset that you're talking about um, is as much about being more cautious as it is about being conservative. Because I don't necessarily think I'm more conservative. I think I'm a pretty liberal guy, but I'm definitely more careful. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I, I know, like it, it, there's that statistic out there that says that if you don't skydive by the time you're like 35, you'll never do it. Um, which, you know, for the most part, I assume is true. Um, but I don't think it speaks to people being more afraid. I think it speaks to people knowing the value of things, you know, understanding the value of things like, like your life and your health and your friendships and things like that. Well, it's not just realizing the value. It's also realizing uh, the repetitive patterns. You know, for example, I'm not going to run in the kitchen wearing socks ever again because the last time I did it, I slid and I fell and I hurt my hip for three days. Oof. You know, you do that two or three times over the course of 10, 15 years and it becomes this thing, I never run in socks. And I, that, I, that's kind of part of what, you know, this experience accumulating as you age, it starts to define what you believe, not by choice, but literally by accumulation of experience. Um, you know, we that's why it's really hard to change older people's minds. It's not because, you know, they're bad or wrong people. It's literally because as human beings, we overestimate our own experience. We overestimate our own data. You know, if it happened to me and it happened to people I know, therefore it must be true and it must happen to everybody. And it, it, that's why t- people tend to be more conservative is because conservative views, and then this is not a pol- political conservative view. I mean, consider, conservative worldviews, the idea of conserving, the idea of, of maintaining traditions and, and keeping things the way that they were, all of those ideas are rooted in your own experience. So you're saying, I know this, this works because I've experienced that. Therefore, I don't want it to change. Yeah, and, and, and allowing the world to reshape around you um, is a very scary thing, you know? And I know that, 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 that it's inevitably going to happen. That's just the nature of the world as it is. I mean, if it isn't evolving, then, then why are we here? But the, the, I definitely understand what you mean. Like, it's not conservative in the sense that you're suddenly a racist or anything crazy like that, or you believe that corporations should run the world or anything. It's, it's not about that at all. You know, it's about, it's about having this sense of, of familiarity that is terrifying to lose. <laughs> right. And there's also, you know, the way, like you said earlier, that um, people gravitate towards family and friends as they get older more and more. They also gravitate towards religion more and more as they get older. And some of that, yes, is the fear of impending death. But also it's because usually as you get older, that sense of religion and that sense of family and friends, it's all tied together. And maybe not necessarily in that your family and friends are all at your church or something like that, but that same feeling of belonging to something and for something to be responsible to you as you are to it is something that you crave as you get older. I feel I feel it in myself, even though I'm not a religious person. I feel a craving for there to be something more because what you as you get older, you start realizing, oh, that shit that I was going to do, that's never going to get done because I'm I'm never going to be that person. I can't I can't go back and be that person again. So you're you're letting go of things over and over again, and as you do that, you're letting go of meaning and definition of who you are. So as you start to lose that, you need something else to hold on to. And people jump to religion. Man, isn't that, isn't that weird though? I mean, I, I find myself thinking spirituality a lot more these days than, than I ever have in my life. Like, I mean, 
I'm, I, don't get me wrong, I'm still a fairly staunch atheist, but I mean, you know, the, the, the question of, is that it enters my mind now? You know, like, is this it? Like, is, is, is everything that we're doing here and now pretty much all that I'm ever going to do and see? You know, it's, it's, I understand why people fall back on religion. You know, it's, it's, such, it's a comfort. Uh, it's, it's, it's a warm blanket in the cold blackness of reality. And I think that there, there, there has to be, you know, I, I know for me, for example, it's a conscious choice. Like, I have to choose it. I have to choose to, to stick to my idea that, you know, when, when this is done, this is done. And, and I find myself having, having difficulties with that thought from time to time. And I didn't think that I ever would. <laughs> well, of course, because you still thought you were going to conquer things, right? You know, sure. that's that's where our meaning comes from. Is what you know the way we view tomorrow is how we is how we deal with today. You know, if if somebody thinks that their you know their house is going to explode tomorrow and there's nothing they can do about it, guess what? Today's going to suck. But if they think tomorrow they're going to win the Nobel Peace Prize, they feel they feel pretty good today. You know, like knowing what's coming or believing we know what's coming. It transforms that future into now. You know, we live in that. That's you know, that's the essence, the, the essence of what anxiety and stress are. You know, you're waiting for something, um, anticipating the worst thing that's coming up, but you're not only anticipating it; you're making it now. You're bringing it into a reality now. So as you get older and you look at the future, and that changes the way that you look at the future, it changes the way you feel about now, because, oh, you know, like I'm. I'm never going to play football again. That's never going to happen. You know, I'm 42 years old. Sure, I could get in shape to go out there, but the chance of me, you know, shattering a bone—I've never broken a bone before, so that's particularly frightening for me. But getting out there and shattering a bone and walking weird the rest of my life—it's—it's it's a reality, a possibility, right? It's a possibility of reality, and in my head, it's a reality because I'm like, now that I know that's possible, I can't not think of that. So it changes the way I view tomorrow. It's like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Therefore, I'm no longer this. Poof, that part of me disappears. You know, the interesting dynamic, though, with doing this blog is that I actually look strangely forward. Um, and it reminds me of how little I looked forward before. Um, you know, I was so panicked by my days and, and just so busy and, 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 and so wrapped up in the things that I had to do that I wasn't taking a second to really understand where I was or what was going on. So I actually think that, you know, if, if for no other reason, I think that blogs or vlogs or, or journals or diaries or whatever version of that that you have is such a necessary thing because it helps you to, to, to give a tangible aspect to your reality that then helps you to, to have a grounding point, you know, like it, it brings you back and and it makes you ask important questions of yourself, and, and and it's fascinating how how much better I feel about my days now that I'm doing this blog on on a daily basis. Oh yeah, I can tell you that it it's a it's a transformative experience, especially if you. There's a bad way to do it. I'll say this: that at least in my experience, <laughs> there's a bad way to do it, and, and this it reply this applies more to um, private journaling than it does for blogging. Though some people do tend to do this publicly. Um, that's when you focus on, you know, if you're, if you're prone to anxiety and instead of using that as a way to break out of that anxiety and to be present, you use it as a way to dive deeper into the anxieties. Um, it can make things worse because now you're, you're really living in that worldview even more. And 
I, I was prone to that when I was younger. And if I find those journals, I, I open them up and I start reading and I can't, I, I can't because it'll literally start giving me anxiety because they're filled with anxiety and they're filled with hypochondria and all these things. And it starts bringing it out in me in the moment. So I guess, uh, you know, what I said about the future, uh, seeing the future brings it to now, I guess kind of the past can do that too. That's weird. I didn't think about that before. Huh. Well, I, mean, I guess in, in many ways, like in trying the struggle for, for us as, as humans now is to try to find a way to anchor ourselves in the present, right? Like, I mean, living in the moment and all that kind of junk. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't mean to dismiss it as an idea, but I definitely think that there, there are smart ways to go about it. And I think one of the, the more detrimental ways to go about it is to be too caught up in nostalgia as well. Like, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, you know, it, of course, I think for all of us, our, our manic selves manifest themselves differently from person to person. Like for me, it, it definitely wasn't anxiety. It was much more despair. Like, what's the point? We're, we're all just worms meet in the end and you know all that kind of stuff. So my version of it was much more despair-based than anxiety-based. But I definitely find myself tracking through that. Like, I mean, one of the, one of the interesting things that I did um, before I started blogging was started going through all of my old, old writing, like my, my creative writing. Um, so I was going through, you know, my poetry. Um, and there is definitely that strong sense of despair that built into the voice of that, that, that version of me. And I, 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 I had a very similar reaction, um, to you in that, you know, I, I found myself empathetic to that version of myself and I found myself diving back into those feelings. And I, I almost feel like I had to slam the book on it really quickly before it took me down too far that road. You know, what's interesting is I was listening to something the other day and unfortunately I don't remember what it was, but it was somebody talking about, um, I don't know if it was their f- first meeting with a psychiatrist or just a subsequent meeting but they said something along the lines of the psychiatrist said something along the lines of depression and uh, the client said, client, the patient said, I don't have depression. I have anxiety. And the psychiatrist said, sweetheart, anxiety is a form of depression. Sure. And like that made so much, I, I, I never put that together, but it made so much sense. It's like, Oh, that's why I transformed from what you're talking about. I used to be very despair focused when I was younger. And that's how I made the transition to anxiety. I, I always thought it was weird. I'm like, how did I end up at opposite ends of the spectrum? Oh, you didn't. They're no, the same they're thing. part of the same spectrum. It's the same damn thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I just had a conversation with uh, two of my psych friends about this too. Like depression is kind of the core of it, but the manifestation of it is so different from person to person. Yeah, I mean, essentially when you when you really start to dissect what depression and what anxiety are, is there an overabundant focus on yourself? It's like an extreme form of megalomania without um, any confidence in who you are, you know, like without liking yourself. So sure. you're just over, you're literally eating yourself live. So, you know, you're, you're overthinking things to the point where they depress you or you're overthinking them so hard that it begins to eat you up and your body starts falling apart on you. Oh, so true. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm neck deep in that now. But I do, I do hear you though. I mean, I think one of the, the great things about, about the blog is that it's allowing me to step outside of myself and to really take a look um, at, at, at who I am 
beyond the confines of my own body. I know that sounds really weird and almost metaphysical, and I don't mean it to, uh, because in in a lot of men, in a lot of very specific ways, I actually hate the idea of metaphysics. Um, but I definitely feel that you have moments of objectivity and and subjectivity in your life, and you kind of flip flop between the two, you know. And I feel like we're at our best when we can maintain that objectivity, not just about us, but about the world as well. It's interesting you bring up that idea of um, outside of your body, this, this idea of metaphysics, because I just finished reading that Michael Pollan book, How to Change Your Mind, about psychedelics. And there's one part in it that just I can't get out of my head. And I don't remember if it was... Actually, I do. It's his DMT experience. So he, the first like third of the book, he talks about the modern history of psychedelics then he decides i'm going to i'm going to take a couple trips he's never done it before he's like 60 something year old man um so i think he starts with he had an accidental experience of some sort i think it was with psilocybin had something to do with um i can't remember it doesn't matter it happened accidentally so the next three that he talks about in the book one's acid one's psilocybin and then the last one is dmt and when he does the dmt one he describes it as being on the on the nose of I think I've used this metaphor before when we talked about DMT being on the nose of a rocket and you know you can feel the g force pushing all the skin in your face back and one of the things that he said in there is he said I felt the self dissolve away and I completely lost all semblance of myself he says but then I thought who's noticing that if the self is gone, who's noticing that the self is gone? And I can't get that out of my head. Huh. It's, it's, it's almost like a Zen Cohen. I just keep like spinning around and around in circles in my head. That's interesting. It's, I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> I, I don't either. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing about it where it's like, it's a question you can't... I think the reason it's really difficult is... Um, some would assume that it's because, oh, well, because maybe you haven't done psychedelics or whatever. No, it's not that. I think it's because it rings true. Sure. There, there are times with, with nothing to do with psychedelics at all, at normal, sober moments in our life, when we realize that there is the self and then there is something above that, almost like an over-self that is observing the self. You know, you're doing something and then there's another voice inside of you going, why are you doing that? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Or you're saying something, and you're going, "Why am I saying that?" I wonder. I wonder if we're going to get into Freud here. Well, I, I've never actually read Freud, so. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that might be. Oh well, and for anyone who doesn't know, um, we're going to be diving into artist profiles again at some point. Well, not artist profiles, but I think people profiles is going to be a better way to put it because I actually want to do some people at some point that are not artists. Um, well, yeah, not even, I wouldn't even limit it to artist profiles. We're just going to do studies. <laughs> yeah, we're things. just going to study people. <laughs> Sometimes, most of the time people, if you guys listen to the old episodes, I think we talked about this last episode a little bit. I don't want to tease them too much until we actually have one done because <laughs> the worst thing would be sure. like, we're going to do this and then it never happens. Sure. Um, but yeah, I would love to, as a subject, I would love to dive into that idea of the the two selves 
because I don't, I don't know what that means. It, it does seem to point to towards towards something more f- mystical, but it also might be kind of like what we had talked about before that the idea of what we believe and we operate society on the idea of self might not actually be the reality of the self that it may be something far more complex than we understand. Mm. I wonder if there's, I mean, if we're, if we're analyzing this at its base level, I wonder then what the state of the self in what you're describing is like, is which one of you is you, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, that's, that's probably a confusing way to say it and, and almost a little idiotic, but you know, like what what part of you is the aware part that exists in the world as we know it? Right. Um, in mindfulness, sometimes they'll refer to it as uh, the two selves as the I can't remember what the the normal self. You know, the one that's that gets caught up in petty things. Sure. That one I can't remember what it's called, and the other one is called the observing self or the watching self. Uh, huh. And. With mindfulness practices, they teach you to stop um, living in the other self and to pull back into that one more. You know, like, hear what's going on. Look at what you're seeing. You know, like, actually experience this and not feel that you have to make a judge. It's the judging self. The judging self and the watching self. To live Interesting. Less in the judging self and more in the observing or watching self. Oh, that, I mean, at its core, that's kind of what everything that I try to do with Holy Fool is. You know, opinions are asserted all over the place, but there's no definitive answers. You know, there's there's things that you and I have talked about on the show that we've probably said the opposite of before. <laughs> oh, I'm sure of it. I'm sure it's happened recently, actually. I, it's funny you say that. I was literally thinking that um, as we were going into this episode uh, because of the blog post that I wrote. You know, that some of the things that... that I know that we've contradicted ourselves. And it's not necessarily that either of those particular things are wrong. It's that the idea of them changes over time and with age or with a certain situation or experience, you know? So any number of things can be right or wrong at any given time. Well, it's like the famous um, Whitman quote, uh, do I contradict myself? Very well then. I am vast and I contain multitudes. Sure. There's- wow, that was that was spot on. Well done. <laughs> Song of Myself. That was I, I read that way too much. <laughs> Talk yeah, about the depressive self. Yeah, <laughs> that's a place to go. Oh, Walt Whitman. Jeez. But yeah, they, I think that a lot of this stuff is on my mind more just because of all the crap that's been going on with my chest all week. So, yeah, you want to you want to tell people a little bit about what the hell you're feeling? <laughs> it's uh, not awesome. It is the sensation, and actually it's not the sensation, it is the reality of a heartbeat that skips. So, um, let's see. Today, two days ago, I just I went out, I bought my first Kindle, and I was like, this, this is going to be cool, you know, they're better for my eyes and less distracting. And I was sitting in my chair and just slowly, just kind of moving my books into it and all of that. And then all of a sudden, you know, if this is my heartbeat... And then all of a sudden, comes back harder, back into it. And then it continues about 35 times. And then, and I, I, if you've never experienced that, 
I tried to, I talked about this in one of my blogs this week to try to explain it. And I don't even think I began to touch it. Your body knows what it's supposed to feel like. And it knows what that heartbeat is supposed to feel like. Even if it's different speeds, it knows the tempo or not the tempo. It knows the pace, you know, it knows the space between the beats. And when one misses, everything goes <gasps> like, wait a minute, what the hell? Yeah. So, you know, here I am looking at this book and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, what's that? And it just kept happening. And then I, it continued for about five hours. Um, so, yeah, that was not fun. So, of course, I messaged the doctor and he tells me, so he says, that sounds like um, early pulse. And essentially what that means, this is really complex. And let's try to boil this down as simple as, it can, as, it, as I understand it. Every cell in your heart has a pace of its own. And the only reason that they beat together is because the main thing that shoots electricity through your heart, the main pacemaker of your heart is faster than the other ones. So it shoots the electricity across all the cells of your heart and when that happens, it resets all of those timers on all of those muscles. So they're always in sync with that main one. But if one decides all of a sudden to go early, it happens early. And it, it's so, because it's alone, it's really small. So then it misses a beat. Your heart misses a beat. That is terrifying. And then your blood pressure drops, which is what you feel. You know, you feel like almost like you're holding your breath. Your blood pressure oh, drops. And then it comes back harder because now it has twice as much blood for that next pump because it didn't hit that other one. And uh, that's that's the my basic understanding of what this cardiologist had sent me, right? That is awful, okay? Yeah. And that so... Would, would, I've had heart problems in the past, so that would scare the shit out of me. It's terrifying. And uh, so then yesterday, it happened again. Except this time, it was... like three really close group together. And I'm like, okay, that's, that, 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 that's worse. I didn't think it could get worse. That's worse. Uh, so I end up on the phone with an advice nurse, you know, just going, I'm not panicking, but I'm going, is this normal? You know, they told me this is in, in, that this happens. Is this part of that thing that's supposed to happen? Can it happen like this? And of course, you know, say, are you lightheaded? No, I'm not lightheaded. Did you lose consciousness? No. Did you fall over? No. Do you have chest pain? No. Do you have shortness of breath? No. Okay. Well, you're not symptomatic of anything going on with your heart. So, you know, anything in, in the sense of a heart attack. Sure. So, yeah, it's probably just that thing. But you, you should talk to your doctor. <laughs> so I talked to my doctor this morning. He's like, yeah. He says, that sounds, he says, he says, it sucks. He says, keep an eye on it. You know, if it continues, then maybe we'll try to see if we can... Uh, look into it further because it shouldn't happen for a lot. He says, but it's probably stress and anxiety. And if you've ever had stress and anxiety and somebody tells you that something that's <laughs> harmful to you is caused by the stress and anxiety, you start stressing <laughs> and having anxiety about having stress and anxiety. <laughs> so you're walking around going, what can I do to relax? What can I do to relax? What can, oh, uh, maybe I'll drink some chamomile tea. Yeah, I'll just drink a lot of chamomile tea. Let me get some of the CBD oil. And now you're in this manic pace thinking that you're working towards a calm conclusion. 
And the best thing, the best thing the nurse told me, she says, distract yourself. (laughs) And she's right. That works way better than trying to focus on being calm. Jeez. What is life if not irony? That's crazy. Mm. It's so miserable. It's happened to me twice today already. Jeez. I I can't, I don't know what I do, man. I have, I have such, such fear about my heart already. Me too. Um, I've had, I've had heart problems in the past that have just been um, like terrifyingly bad. Um, So anytime anything remotely resembling that comes into play, I freak out totally. Oh yeah. Like, um, God, who was I talking to? There's somebody on, on creative minds and we're, oh, it was Ryan. And we were talking about anxiety and how most people's anxiety manifests in one form. Sure. Like uh, everybody has one form of fear. And, and when you have your anxiety, it always manifests in that type of fear. Um, our friend Carlos, when he used to have a lot of anxiety, his was always his throat. He'd always feel like his throat was closing. I've never had a throat thing. Mine has always been heart and chest. So to have a heart and chest thing, <laughs> it's like the worst nightmare for my anxiety. <laughs> yeah, what a what a magical combo that is. And, I mean, and I totally believe them that it's 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 psychosomatic that you know I'm causing it in my brain because we've been talking about this for two and a half minutes and now it's happening. Oh man! All right, yeah, we, we, we should probably <laughs> shift away from this subject because now I'm starting to feel crazy. <laughs> How are you guys feeling out there? Did we give you anxiety too? Yay! Holiday anxiety. Here, let's let's Enjoy let's everybody. do the, a little. Let's get the pace right on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, that's what your heart should be doing. Okay, all right. Now we're clear. <laughs> I, I never, I never in my mind think that our episodes can get any weirder. <laughs> I think, I think you know, this is the apex of weirdness, and then we just smash through it every time. So we're delving deeper and deeper into our own psyches. <laughs> Yeah, this man, is not weird just, studies, but it is weird. weird. Yeah, it is definitely weird. Uh, uh, what are you going to do when you're talking about death and all of these wonderful, cheerful topics? You got to get weird to break yourself out of them. I think that's a good trick. You know, I, I really do. I think that um, when you look at, uh, I used to, when I was younger, I used to laugh at like the guys doing like Tai Chi in the park and all of this stuff. But, um, the more you start to have things like this, the more that you experience things like this, the more you understand the place that those, those ridiculous looking things have. Because you're like, hmm, if I do this, which looks goofy, but it gets me out of this, I'm, I'm down for the goofy. I'm down for the weird. I'm down to dance around in my room. You know, like whatever. I'm down to look at myself in the mirror for 10 minutes just smiling. You know, whatever it is. You're down to do that <laughs> stuff because the misery of not doing it is worse. Sure. I think the name of the episode is Down with the Goofy. Down with the Goofy. That sounds like an anti-Disney like thing. You know, Down with Goofy. Down with Goofy. No more talking dogs. Screw talking <laughs> dogs, man. These things and, are weird. And that weird hat. What is that hat? I don't understand. I mean, I, is he actually... What is Goofy supposed to be? He's supposed to be a dog, right? Right. I mean, he doesn't look anything like a dog. I mean, and why? Why is Pluto so different? <laughs> I don't understand. Like Pluto doesn't have to wear pants. Yeah, and he doesn't have. He doesn't talk. He doesn't, what the hell? That makes no sense to me. It's called acid. Yeah. Right. 
the amount of acid necessary to produce that kind of hallucinogenic effect. I mean, when you really think about it, almost all children's movies and things like that, they're all nuts. None of them make any sense. That's or they're all awesome. like, or they're all ultra violent and crazy. Um, like, go back and watch an episode of Tom and Jerry. Trust me. Mm. There's but the extreme thing, violence going on there. The thing about Tom and Jerry was it's violence with no consequence. Oh yeah, of course. No one ever actually got hurt, or they get yeah. hurt, but you know it didn't mean anything. It didn't, you know, huge bump swells up, and then the next scene there's no bump. Now it's like. Uh, Go out in into this game and with this machine gun and kill people, and uh, they're dead. <laughs> you know, it has consequence. And I'm not saying things are better or worse, but I'm just saying it's a different, a different outlook on violence. It's a more realistic violence for for children now. I think. Sure, and I agree with that. And I'm not an alarmist that thinks that's necessarily bad. I don't think it does as much harm as people think it does if they have uh, a good family. You know, yeah, it's it's all about guidance. I mean, my parents never. I mean, if anything, my parents were the opposite, right? Like my my parents were immigrants, so they didn't understand things like the TV rating system and the movie rating system. Like, I I saw the Poltergeist at an early age. I saw Nightmare on Elm Street at a pretty early age. I mean, my parents didn't know, and 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 I'm not a homicidal maniac because they were good parents. <laughs> See, I, and I was on, I got sheltered for a long time. So I saw lots and lots of those Disney movies from the '60s, Pollyanna and all of that crap. That's kind oh, of yeah. I grew up with all of that stuff. Well, at least you know until I was like ten or something like that when I could pick my own programming. Oh man, I have no concept of any of that. I mean, I, I started watching adult stuff real early. I remember one of the first shows I ever watched was a Magnum PI. Yeah, the only thing. Oh yeah, I definitely watched that. Um, the only thing that I. The only time I got to see like really adult stuff was with my dad. You know, if I went to my dad's, he didn't care. <laughs> I remember we went and saw this movie. I'm going to guess. I think it was called Sister, Sister or something. It was like this. Uh, and now I'm digging into my child's memory. So don't expect accuracy here. But I'm pretty sure it had to do with like twin sisters. And they were like, it's like a horror movie, but not like a full horror, like a thriller type thing. Uh, and they're out in the woods or whatever, but there's lots of boobs in that movie from what I remember as a little kid. <laughs> Could have just been two or four, but for me, that was a lot, you know? <laughs> and I just remember sure. not having my eyes covered up. I was like, hmm, so this is this is what adults watch. And it, I mean, it was interesting, but it didn't fascinate me that much. Um, I don't mean the boobs, but I mean just like the the adult world didn't fascinate me that much because, well, cartoons were pretty awesome when we were younger. What was your favorite cartoon? Mm, that's a- well, let me let me let me let me rephrase that. So I'm going to break it up into three age groups. Um, before ten, ten to fifteen, fifteen and up. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to guess fifteen and up is probably Ninja Turtles. And what were the other group? That's 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 so ten to fifteen, and then ten five. Would you say ten ten to fifteen, and then uh, just and then ten and below. Uh, ten to fifteen, probably GI Joe or He Man, maybe. Oh, gotcha. Probably, I don't know. Uh, I was way into GI Joe, but I think I was way into GI Joe because I had the toys, you know. So that connection was really strong. And then before that, it was probably some PBS thing. I'm actually really, really shocked that um, that Futurama didn't make that list. 
Dude, I was an adult when that came out. Oh, that's what I mean. So 15 and above, is that would that be your favorite past that? Oh, I no, yeah, no, I don't know. I th- I was just thinking like 15. I wasn't thinking anything beyond 15 above. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um yeah, probably Futurama. Uh as I don't consider that a cartoon though. Yeah, that's true. You know like it's an animated show. A cartoon to me is for kids. I, I think, oh, I see what you mean. I think that where, so th- is there a gray area for you? Like, I, I think that the gray area for me would be something like Ren and Stimpy. I loved that show. That's a good question. I don't know. I think that's actually an adult show that got passed off to kids. I totally agree with that. It was not childish in any way. But then you you see shows that kind of do that toe the line really really well, like um, SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, I never watched that, so I'm not sure about that. I know that there are some that if I really thought about it, I can find some straddlers. Because, yeah, there are... Um, I think that they, they try to... Oh, for example, actually, here's a good one, is a lot of the... Not the second version of the Avengers cartoon. The first one, I think it was called Earth's Mightiest. That was for oh, yeah, kids and adults. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, but DC, the the Justice League ones were too. Sure, that was that was definitely for both, or the or you know the Batman the animated series. I think that was between two. Oh man, I loved that show. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Was that I, I remember that being the the place where they introduced Harley Quinn for the first time. I believe that's the case, and they rolled her into everything else because she was, she was such a popular character. Yep, that's true. At least from what I've heard. Yep. I don't know. I love cartoons. Though. I should watch more of them. Maybe I wouldn't have anxiety. <laughs> yeah, you know, I honestly don't even... I, I have no idea where I'd even access cartoons anymore. I assume they're on Netflix, but I haven't looked for such a thing in such a long time. Well, you know what I've been thinking about? Um, did you watch any of the Hanna-Barbera stuff when you were younger? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah. Okay, so I used to watch a lot of Hanna-Barbera, um, including all of the like lesser known shows like you know they had a superhero show i don't know if you remember that one no uh oh yes i do um it, harvey birdman was a was a was basically a spoof of that yeah mm-hmm. yeah cuz he was a character on that as as was um you know there was the big chief who yeah i don't remember any of the names of any of those things but yeah i remember i remember that show very clearly in my mind and then there was um they had like the there was the family the space family and then there was that like uh rhinoceros armadillo mixture thing that shot yeah. rocks out of its horn. Yeah. Um, and then there was uh that it, it looked like Scooby Doo, but he was a robot. He was yeah. gray. You know, like all the those... Okay, help me out. What was the name of that show? I don't remember, but the he's on Harvey Birdman, on an episode of Harvey Birdman. Um but anyways, the reason I bring that up is all of that stuff is on this thing called Boomerang. Um which used to be a TV channel. It may still be a TV channel. Um, but you can get a streaming service to Boomerang. And I've seriously been considering it. Huh. Just to be able to watch all of that stuff. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it, I think it's. I think Boomerang might be uh, a spinoff of Cartoon Network or and something like that. Or it was an attempt to be another Cartoon Network. But it, it, they have, you know, they have the Flintstones, they have Bugs Bunny, they have Scooby Doo, they have all of those. Uh, they have Garfield, 
I'm looking at the site right now. I'm not remembering all this stuff. I was going to say, if you're doing this from memory, that's impressive. Jeez. Yes. I've been thinking about this for a very long time. <laughs> Muttley and, um, you know, the, the Wacky Races. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I do. Yeah, they have that. Tom and Jerry. So, like, all of that, like, classic. There's there's new stuff on there that I'm looking at that I'm like, I have no idea what the hell that is. And this pink dog looks familiar. But anyways, um, that's all on there. And I think it's, like, four dollars a month or something and i was like "Hmm, maybe i would like to watch every episode of the jetsons or the smurfs oh man the smurfs but i think this kind of plays into our conversation last time we were talking about soft shows do you think that in your experience do you think that stuff like this you know watching cartoons uh watching children's movies um watching um comedies but like soft comedies you know not like um edgy comedies but just like kind of stupid like maybe romantic comedies you think all of that has ever played into your anxiety ever like has it ever helped or have you ever tried to use it for that no i haven't um but i feel like my experience with it is very different than most people's experiences um i never really watched anything soft throughout the course of my life um for, uh, for any any length of time. Like, for example, I missed pretty much the entirety of Friends, um, How I Met Your Mother, you know, like all of these. Like the only one I think I, I watched religiously was Seinfeld and I watched it pretty intently. So I don't know if I've ever had a, a, a kind of background noisy show. And so I feel like my sensibilities towards these things are far more serious. Um, and I feel like there's a big portion of my 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 young and middle adult life that is missing because I didn't have that experience. Hmm. Yeah. For me, um, I grew up with a single mother. So my behavior of soft shows is learned behavior. Um, Oh, sure. She never liked hard shows at all. So her still to this day, she's not dead. Um, Still to this day, her whole viewing experience, everything she watches is soft stuff. Um, she likes to watch um, reruns of Designing Women. She likes to watch reruns of The Golden Girls. So do I. Um, uh, she loves, loves, loves the Hallmark Channel. Um, and w- what's interesting is a lot of my anxieties when um, when I've peaked at anxieties have been in the winter. I don't know if it's just the change in the weather seems to make that happen more often in the winter. Um, and if anybody knows anything out there about the Hallmark channel, pretty much the moment it drops like five degrees in weather, they play all Christmas movies. (laughs) Yeah, essentially. And it goes on that way for like a month and a half. So anytime I've spent time with my mother and happened to be in a place where I was having anxiety, I ended up watching like one of these things with her. And I started finding that I was like, enjoying it for that where i'm like not like, like oh this is a great movie and i'd recommend it to anyone but just like oh this this takes a little bit of that weight off of this feeling wow interesting just because i don't have to invest in it so it, it relieves something from that and like lately i've been watching a lot of christmas movies I, I never used to like christmas movies and it just it's been helping a little bit obviously not enough to stop the heart palpitations but <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think that there's there's a value to those things um, 
beyond an entertainment value in the sense that you think do you think you've naturally gravitated towards them because of that because you consciously or unconsciously knew that they would bring you some some ease i think it's an association um because i i would assume on a primal scale because they're associated with the mother and the mother is associated with comfort and safety in most people's lives that those two a b you know a a equals b and B equals C, so therefore A equals C. Sure. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's what it is. And shit, it, it works to some degree, at least for, you know, for at least half the movie. I feel a little bit better. <laughs> sure. I mean, I watched a really bad one on Netflix last night. I mean, do you have, do you have like a go-to movie that brings you to that space? I don't. I have certain ones, um, but I can't keep going to the same one because it... It it wears the magic off. Oh sure, sure, sure. Um, like uh, this is this is funny. We're talking about this because it's essentially we're talking about something that is really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, movies, soft movies. I really, 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 I actually enjoyed this in a genuine way, but it's also um, provides soft pleasure, which is the most recent animated Peanuts movie. Love that. Um, the Lego movie is another one. Um, oh, it's a great one. Those yeah. are two things I genuinely enjoy um, outside of the context of this. Um, I'll watch Friends. I'll watch Golden Girls. I will watch uh, How I Met Your Mother. Um, I will watch Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, yeah. TNG's a fallback for me too as well. Sleepless in Seattle for some reason. Oh, I love that movie. I actually love all of those movies, those Nora Ephron movies. From she like was the- a great writer. Yeah, she was. And she really knew how to tap into that, like the, that entire slew of movies, like Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail. I mean, there's a few more in there. I don't know them offhand. That's like the masterpiece. Of, well, When Harry Met Sally, she oh. didn't direct it, but she Oh, When it. Harry Met Sally, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the winner is Sleepless in Seattle. It's one of the most poignant movies I've ever seen. Yeah, there's. I mean, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to say that I still occasionally like get teary at that movie. I, I mean, I've, I've realized in the last few years, without ever... Um, particularly um, doing this on purpose, I realized, holy crap, Tom Hanks is my favorite actor. <laughs> and, and He's been in a lot of amazing stuff, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, just a uh, castaway alone. That's You know what's weird? That's a, that's a, uh, a comfort movie, too. Yeah, I love that movie. I don't know why. Maybe because uh, what's going on is so far outside of, like, this could happen to me right now when I'm having anxiety that I can just kind of get lost in like, holy shit, that's a big wave. And the Tom Hanks movie, the two that I always think of, and it, it shows my serious sensibility is saving private Ryan in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Oh, Philadelphia. That I, I still think that's his best performance ever. I've never I rewatched those. I, oh, you've got to watch. So both powerful. Of those movies. They're so powerful. They're such good movies. He was great in the circle. Did you see that yet? No, I didn't see that. I heard it was really good, though. It's, well, no, it's, I didn't hear it was really good. I heard it had very good things about it, but it was overall not the best. I enjoyed it. Um, th- you have to read the book afterwards, too, because it, it's different in a good way. I think that it's it's one of those cases where um, the book is tackling something that would be really hard to tackle exactly in in a two-hour film. And so instead, they figured out ways to truncate and to change certain things, and for the most part, to its benefit. Plus, it had a great cast. I mean, you had 
Karen Gillian, you had Emma Watson, you had Tom Hanks. Um, we talked about this before. It's like your dream cast. <laughs> we talked about this before because I remember me not remembering the the guy from the new Star Wars movies and you telling me his name. But uh, yeah, I mean, Tom Hanks, even in the 80s, in those you know cheesier movies like Splash or Big. Oh, yeah. Still oh, so Big good. was such a great movie. I mean, Big is Big is one of my favorites of all time, though. I would say watch, not you, but I mean the audience, watch Sleepless in Seattle and pay attention to two things. Three things, actually. Pay attention to the dialogue because the dialogue in that movie is stellar. It has yeah, an intelligence to it that is underrated. Um, like when when they're at the airport, um, him and his son are at the airport, and they're talking about uh, cosmic... His sons keep saying this thing about all this stuff about cosmic connections. The dialogue there is so, so well written. And the other two things pay attention to is pay attention, just watch Tom Hanks and watch Meg Ryan. Not necessarily together, just watch them. And watch how good and natural of actors they are. And I think that the thing is that movie, it doesn't get a lot of credit because you have two actors that are so natural that you don't realize how well they're actually acting. But, sure. But the facial expressions and the way they're moving, you never get the feeling ever at any moment that they're acting. And I don't know. I, I mean, just, I've, I've seen that movie twice this week. So it's, it's definitely on my mind. <laughs> actually three times. Jeez. How? I fell asleep to it one time. So the third time technically doesn't count, but my subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how effective that is. Oh, I don't know. I don't I don't feel good when I wake up if I fell asleep watching something or listening to something. My brain I will say like one of my one of my interesting experiences, like I I remember once getting a weird amount of high and listening to all of a Star Trek movie with my eyes closed, and that was a very odd experience. You know, I, that's one thing I don't miss about uh, when I was younger. I used to, when I used to smoke weed, is <laughs> I would get, you know, I'm already a very alert person. Unfortunately, I over, over pay attention to things, hence the anxiety. Um, so at least then, weed was not a good thing for me because it ruined a lot of things for me. Um, oh, I, see. I remember smoking some really, really cheap weed. Um, and anybody, <laughs> and the reason I specify that if you don't or have never smoked marijuana in your life, then you don't know the difference between a cheap weed high and a better weed high. I'm not going to say good weed, but just better. The cheap stuff has like this stingy feeling, and <laughs> it's everything is kind of bitey. You know, like you're kind of high, but you're not yeah. floating. Everything just kind of stings yeah, a little bit. Yeah, everything's a little sharp, yeah. And everything like kind of gets on your sharper. nerves. <laughs> yeah. Sounds are sharper. Like people's voices are sharper. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So I smoked a whole bunch of that. And that's my th- I think my theory, I'm going to guess, my theory was maybe if I smoke a bunch of the cheap shit, it'll be decent. <laughs> no. Oh, man. But that is not, I mean, that's not the way it works, my friend. We're going back like 20 years here. Um, <laughs> But I was I was crashing out. I was crashing out at, at a friend's house. There was like three or four of us there. So I'm laying on the carpet, and we're watching Saturday old episodes of Saturday Night Live, and we watched the one where Nirvana was on. 
And I was laying there with my eyes closed and then Kurt Cobain just started singing. And I was like, oh my God, he is awful. (laughs) Because he, (laughs) Kurt Cobain was not a crooner, you know, like he sang, especially live, he sang out of key all of the time. And he would hit the wrong notes on the guitar all of the time. True punk rock. Yeah. Well, when you're super high on cheap weed and overpaying attention to things and everything annoys you, you notice every time it goes out of key and every and I and for a long time I couldn't listen to Nirvana because I would keep remembering that feeling. Uh it's so weird. Yeah. We no, the kidding. great ruiner of minds. Just kidding. No. Well, I mean, my experience is similar to yours in the sense that, like, you know, I'm, I have the sense of hyper realism when when I'm smoking weed. Like, you know, for most people, it mellows them out. I typically have the opposite experience of that, and it's not necessarily a bad experience either. It's just one in which my senses become more heightened, um, and I notice things more. Um, and I don't know how that bodes for me one way or the other, but I definitely know that there are certain highs that I've had where I, I have the same reaction to things as you do. I'm just like, what the hell is this? Why do people like this shit? <laughs> you know, like what what is this garbage? Like I, I feel like I feel like I watch certain movies high, um, and just I I I, I think it might have been. I'm trying to think of the movie. I have one very specific example where a movie was entirely ruined for me because I watched it while I was high. Um, Ah, Willow. Oh, no. I need to watch that. I haven't seen it since it first came out. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I watched it again afterwards and and thought it was a fantastic movie. But the first time I watched it, I was like, why does anyone care? Was that Ron Howard? I believe it was. Hmm. I mean, I've seen it again since. And I I think it's because I'm I'm also weirdly sarcastic and kind of cynical when I'm high. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the total opposite reaction of everyone else. And I remember watching that movie and going, this is such bullshit. I mean, why? What is this little man? What is going on here? I become the mute. I lose <laughs> the, the signal from my brain to my mouth. gets just, It's like a really long cable. <laughs> By the time it gets there, it's like, oh, well, that's like five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, you're like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's why I don't smoke. Now, although now after all this anxiety, I'm like, maybe I should go back to, you know, 20 something years ago, start smoking weed again and just be like, I'm so comfortable right now that there is no such thing as anxiety. Yeah, it's 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 weird how that works, right? Like I've been smoking weed. I I didn't smoke weed for about 15 years in that gap in between, but I, I tried it again a few years ago, and my experience with it now is so different. And I think a lot of it, I I, I don't think weed inherently has a certain type of effect. It's 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 what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And I think whatever you decide that it's going to be, it enhances that for you. Well, a lot of so people consider it a hallucinogen now. Yeah, and 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 I can see how that would work under certain circumstances. You know, like I think it's it's just a push in a certain direction, and you choose that direction. Yeah, I can I can totally see that. Yeah, and you're very susceptible. Um, music, everything. Uh, that's one of the things interesting. I never thought you and I would be having a conversation about weed. Um, but that's one of the things that I actually used to really enjoy about the experience was the transition, you know, mm-hmm. where you're sitting maybe in a room listening to reggae. I had a roommate who listened to a lot of reggae. And then you get up and you have to go to the bathroom and you go to the bathroom and the lights are really bright 
And now all of a sudden it's like a totally different world. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 like yellow submarine, you know, you <laughs> every door is a different <laughs> world in it. Well, maybe that's what they were referencing. Hmm. You think anybody oh, was maybe. on acid when they did that cartoon? Jeez. Oh man, I haven't watched that one in a while. I gotta watch that again. Yeah, I think I used to have that on VHS. Oh man! You know my my feel good. I, I, it's I, going back to the whole feel good movies and shows um, mm-hmm. during the holidays. I have this weird love of. Um, do you remember the Hunt for Red October? Yeah, um, not really well though. I remember watching it. That that's I love that movie. That Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Elf are the movies I have to watch during Christmas. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it's a weird combo. I used to have. Um, God, I'm not going to remember the name of this movie. There was this random Christmas movie. I was with family and uh, they were watching cable and this black and white Christmas movie that I had never seen before came on and I just really liked it because maybe um, it was a Christmas movie I hadn't seen before. And so I, for a couple of years, I used to watch that every Christmas and then uh, one day it disappeared out of my iTunes, which I mean, I assume they they lost their uh, licensing, you know, because anything you buy on iTunes, you're actually just renting. Do you have any idea what it was? I think it, um, I'm looking right now. It happened on Fifth Avenue. That's what oh, it's called. 1947. Uh, Miracle on Fifth Avenue? No, no, no. It happened on Fifth Avenue. Miracle oh, on 41st oh, oh. Street is a different movie. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I'm <laughs> mixing them all up now. <laughs> This I is so, starring nobody you've ever heard of. Dude, I have no experience with Christmas movies, to be honest with you. Carry on. I've never watched um, It's a Wonderful Life. What? I, I'm going to do that this year. How How did you not even just catch that by accident? It's on every single channel for like a week. I don't know. I've never seen the Christmas story all the way through either. Oh, geez. So That's those, so weird. Those are my two. You know, normally like my... Let's see. Um... You know, everybody watches, I think, Home Alone. What are the other ones? Elf, you said. Yeah, Die Hard, obviously. Everyone I know watches Die Hard now. Or at least, maybe it's just specific to our group of friends. Uh, Yeah, I don't watch Die Hard. I watch Die Hard every year. Uh, What the heck? Oh, Nightmare Before Christmas. That was a good one. Oh, yep, yep, yep. How about, um, oh, shit. Santa Claus. The Santa Claus. You know, I've never seen that movie. I like that movie. Um, I'm I'm going to say this, and it's really weird because um, I hate his TV show, but I really like Tim Allen in movies. I yeah, I can see that. I didn't realize it until I started. I'm like, I'm going to watch this movie, and I'm like, oh, crap, Tim Allen's in this. You know, you know, I put on Galaxy Quest the other night, and I was like, oh, that's right. This is Tim Allen. In my head, actually, it was oh, Gary I love movie. <laughs> yeah. I really, really like Galaxy Quest, actually. I thought it was a really good movie. I thought it was, it, I, I thought it was what um, the Orville was before the Orville. You know, it's funny when I was watching it, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, ah, uh, so Seth MacFarlane watched Star Trek and Galaxy Quest and Absolutely. that's where the Orville came from. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, have you seen any of the uh, the trailer stuff for, um, wait, you haven't even seen the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Never mind. Yeah, no. Not until it's free. You know, it's yeah, like I just watched. I just watched the trailer for season two, and it actually looks promising. Aren't they supposed to be coming out with that Picard series soon? Yeah, I, I don't know. What I, is I, that going to be, anyways? I, I literally have no idea. I've I've heard 
I've tried, I purposefully stayed out of that spectrum for a while. So I wouldn't know too much going in. Um, but yeah, I have no idea. I think it's only still, of course, going to be on the CBS streaming service. That might be almost worth it just to see him. Unless they're bringing him back yeah, to that show. But they can't, right? No, I don't think so. It's a, it's a different different world, different universe kind of thing. Hmm. I wonder how they're yeah, going to do that. I have no idea. I have no idea what what the, the premise of the show would even be because apparently it's very it's different versions of Picard. Even in IMDb, it's listed as untitled Star Trek series. Yeah, how old? How old is Patrick Stewart? Nine hundred and seventy-four. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Let me look. I, I'm still fascinated by his friend friendship with Ian McKellen, like they're, when they were hanging out and doing I that know, fight. I, I thought I didn't uh, for a while. I was like. Are, I had to ask myself, I was like, is Patrick Stewart gay? I didn't know he was married. You know, I don't know a lot about his personal life because they were together so much that I was like, I thought they were in a relationship. I'm like, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, that's like the the ultimate Hollywood power couple <laughs> or it would have been. 1940. So uh, what is that? 68? Seven, no. 70 something. 78. 78. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Doing well. Yeah, isn't that, the same, isn't that the same age that Nancy Pelosi is? I believe so. You know, I've I've have I have this running thing of not saying any political figure's name on the show, and you just broke that. That's all right. You didn't say it. I did. True. Good point. So I'm I'm still batting a thousand over here. She looks good for her but, age. We can say by that. The way, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> hey, by the way, um, I don't know much about your your stint through football. Can you please explain some of that for me? What do you mean? What, what do you like want you me to played, explain? You played, in, you played in high school, right? I played um, Pop Warner and I played in high school, but only freshman year. Then I quit. Gotcha. I quit because I didn't want to practice every day. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I didn't because, you know, um, I've been learning a lot about all these concussive brain injuries. Mm-hmm. And they've been saying that they're, they're learning that concussive brain injuries can happen well, I just found a picture of Nancy Pelosi wearing a bright orange Apple Watch. Um, anyways, no, I'm not looking at porn. Uh, <laughs> that would be the weirdest porn ever. Carry on. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> I don't remember now. <laughs> now oh, because of brain Pelosi injury. Wearing, I'm, wearing, I'm picturing Nancy Pelosi wearing just an orange Apple Watch. And pearls. Um, oh, geez. oh man, that's a concussive okay. brain injury. Um, yeah. Anyways, back to football. <laughs> From porn to football, uh, that was the smooth transition there. Well done. Yeah, this is going to be the the strangest episode. If we lose half our listeners after this one, we deserve it. Um, <laughs> hey, speaking of which, I, I had someone come up to me during. Um, an event recently and say, Hey, uh, listen, your, your podcast really love it. Would love it if it were a radio show. So I could call in and tell you guys how wrong you were on some things. That's why it's not a radio show. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to know what people think. (laughs) And and she's someone I, I, I greatly respect too. I mean, she said, she said it jokingly, of course, but she also kind of meant it at the same time. (laughs) Of course. Well, you know, that's Uh, the way the world works. The moment you assert an opinion, there's 50, 50 people lined up to tell you, how you're wrong well yeah and 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 what what most people don't realize is that 
it, it takes bravery to even have the balls to say that opinion to, to one person, much less as many people as are willing to listen to a show. Right. And I'm sure your friend wasn't meaning that. No, of course not. But I, I mean, she definitely, she, she's a philosophy major and, and we were talking about philosophy. So she's, she agreed on most of it, but there were a couple of things we got like glaringly wrong. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> whatever. As we've always said, we're not here to provide information. Not an informational show. This not even close. This is an op-ed show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there are definitely things throughout the course of the show where we're just asking questions of each other. Like I just asked you about your football experience. All right. It's just, you know, uh, let's go back to that for a second so that we don't leave everybody hanging. Okay, um, brain injuries, sorry. Concussive brain injuries. So they're finding out that uh, even if you don't get your head hit, you can get a concussion. So body yeah. body impacts, like every pretty much every play in football, can give you what they call sub-concussions. And sub-concussions can be as detrimental to your brain as real con- or full concussions. And the reason I brought all this up is we just went through this whole thing about anxiety and depression and all these things. Well, guess what? Causes those things in some people. Concussive brain injuries. And to be specific, sub-concussive brain injuries can lead to lifelong problems with depression. Yep. So I wonder, now as I, as I learn this, I'm like, I wonder if football changed my brain chemistry. Oh, I'm sure it did. Because I don't even doubt that. I don't remember just, being depressed before that, but I was young. So, like, is that even possible? Have you seen any of the studies that show the the effects, the long term effects of traumatic brain injury? No, but oh I, man, it's intense. I mean, the the amount of behavioral things that become part of the equation, like people become like hyper aggressive or angry, who have oh yeah, little, like boxers like, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And they just lose their shit or like like wrestlers, you know, like even quote unquote professional wrestlers. We oh, don't know yeah. what that's, that's true or not. Like the number of those guys that just went absolutely shitballs is just, and you know, shitballs is the official medical term for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the traumatic brain injury causes dramatic changes in behavior and enough of them over time can make some of those behaviors permanent. You got to be worried about Steve Young. The guy had like oh, five yeah. major concussions while he was playing professional football. Yeah, which is weird because I, I, in my line of work, I actually run into him um, oh, really? every so often, like every six months or so. Um, like he's he's a golfer, and and he he happens to get coached in the facility that I I work in. So he comes in like probably during during you know golf tournament season and stuff like that. He's in there like every other week, and he seems just fine. Mm, like I don't, and I don't, and I don't know why. Like he, he's he's been smacked around quite a bit in his career, you know. Well, he's I mean more than probably almost any other quarterback because the dude ran like a running back. Yeah, and he gave no shits when he was doing it. It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm still shocked by that. He's kind of one of my sports heroes, so... Yeah, me too. I I don't understand. Like him, there's certain guys too, like, you know, who who have just taken so many hits in the head. Like I worry about NHL players, for example, right, who have taken just so many checks to the head. Guys like Sidney Crosby and stuff like that. And I wonder in the long run what the heck is... You know, you, because the, the the glowing example for all of us is Muhammad Ali, right? You right. see what he looks like later on in his life, and the effect of having his brain just smacked around on a constant basis for so long, and you start to wonder how anyone makes it out of those 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 sports without permanent damage in some way. Yeah, and I mean, and all credit should go to Joe Rogan right now because 
with his deep ties to the um, MMA, the fact that he consistently makes a big point, always to point out stuff about concussive brain injuries, he's probably done more than anyone to bring that knowledge to the public. And yeah. because he has a, like a megaphone and he's using it. So, I mean, it's important stuff, especially if you have boys. You have to think about the sports you're putting them in. I mean, people like, oh, soccer's safe. Nope. Guess what? They, nope. they head the ball all the time. Subconcussive brain injuries. Yeah. And, and people forget that, that brain injuries are cumulative. Yeah. They don't go you away know, either. Like, they don't go away. And every, team, every time you have one, like I remember, because I played ice hockey for most of my life, and I remember having my first concussion. Um, and then I remember how easy it was to have my second one. Right. Like I, the second hit I took wasn't, wasn't nearly as bad, not, not even close to as bad as the first one, but the effects were worse. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's really terrifying. Like that was one of the that was one of the things that actually made it so that I stopped playing um, at the level that I was. You know, because I was playing at a pretty high level at some point in my life, and I backed off. I mean, I still play to this day, um, but I don't play that kind of hockey anymore. You know, I can't I can't take a smack in the head, man. I'm not doing it. You know, like I like I don't want to be in a wheel. I don't want to be in a wheelchair when I'm 55. I just don't want that or drooling. You know, yeah, true. And that sounds like an exaggeration or something, but like literally, I mean, Muhammad Ali drooled. Yeah, look, yeah, look at Muhammad Ali. I mean, he is the the poster child for how horribly wrong that can go if you're not careful. Yeah, it's terrible. It's it's. Ugh. But you know, that's 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 how we learn things as a society. We make uh, assumptions and then we operate on those for a long time, and then we reap the benefits of them later. And uh, benefits is sarcastic. Well, nothing is more nothing is more tragic than the story of a hero that falls, especially in American culture. In American culture, we love that now. Yeah, why? Why is that? It's because it makes us it. feel important. That's true. Yeah. Oh man, it's like, crazy. Oh, I think I think people like watching successful people fall because it it makes them feel better about the choices they didn't make, the risks that they didn't take. It justifies their regret. <laughs> totally. Like, see, I could that could have happened to me. Yep. They, they'll just tear you. And listen to people who say things about those things and listen to what they're really saying. So they'll just tear you down. They'll, they will just tear you down. So in other words, no matter what level of success you get, somebody's going to tear you down. So when you break that down, what they're really saying is, I'm glad I wasn't successful like that because they would have just torn me down too. Wow, what a bullshit justification that is. We're full of them. It's not just those people. We're all full of them. You oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I uh, mean, how long, how long did it take me to do a weekly blog, man? I've been talking about it for a year. Yeah, I know. I, I did the same <laughs> thing, you know. But eventually you get there, hopefully. You know, some people don't. I shouldn't say eventually you get there. That's not true. Um, it's just, we, you know, I, this actually kind of ties into something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. But I always forget. Um, which is a funny thing to say after a concussive brain injury uh. <laughs> discussion. But uh, in editing audio, which I do a lot, um, I used to do it a lot more intensively than I do now. I've kind of taken our, um, right there is a perfect example, the method that I use for this show where I leave in the ums and the stumblings and all that. I've kind of taken that method more to creative minds uh, I try to clean things up a little bit for the guests if it's really bad. But I leave it breathe a little bit more now. But when I was doing it really intently, 
Um, some of those episodes can go as long as two hours. So editing, you know, if anybody out there hasn't edited audio, it essentially is like this. You're listening to me talk, pause, go back, fix that. Okay, change that right there. Continue. And I'm talking about pause. And now what that means is if you have two-hour audio, it can take you four, six, eight hours to edit that audio depending on how meticulous you're being. You know, if you're picking every everything like this, you want to take all those things out? Yeah, eight hours at least. But because of that, what you end up doing is you end up hearing lots of loops of, you know, I'm taking that sound out. So now I have to rewind. So I'm going to hear what that person said again. So you hear people say the same thing over and over again a lot. And you really start, when, you, when you're going for a long editing session, you really start to get dialed in <laughs> to the words and the way people <laughs> talk, which is, I think it's, it's, it can be terrifying for beginning podcasters when they edit their own audio because they're hearing themselves so much that they can become super critical of themselves. Um, but the reason I bring this up is when you get dialed in that much and you're listening to the repetitiveness of a voice, you start hearing little things that people do with language that they don't realize that are, that they're doing. Um, we, the way that they use a word to create a pause so that they can think enough to get the next thought. Um, you and I do it all the time. I hear us doing it in audio all the time. Really? Yeah. I'll, I'll say something. If, here's an example. I'll say something and you'll, you'll say, yeah, but you know, and then you'll pause for a second and then you go a completely different way and you don't realize it, but that yeah, but you know, was your pauser to tell me, Chad, I'm going to talk, but I need to figure out my thought first. Wow, weird. I've, I'm so not conscious of that. That's so Of course strange. not. Yeah, all this stuff. Uh, or people will... Um, you can hear people reassuring themselves when they talk. It's, that one's really trippy to hear because they're essentially like comforting themselves and they don't realize they're doing it. So they're saying, yeah, so, you know, um, I, I was going to the store. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you think that they're stumbling. They're not stumbling. They're literally, as you listen to it, you realize that, that they're, they're bolstering their own confidence. Yeah, like in the moment they're saying, is this right? And they're saying yes to themselves. Yeah, they're like, go for, go for it, keep going. And it's really weird because we... If you guys think this is crazy, um, think about this. How many times have you been in a conversation and said something and then later go, why the fuck did I say that? <laughs> it's because we think we have complete control of what's coming out of our mouths, but in reality, we don't. That it's this, it's, it's this thing that takes off. And we keep reining it in and trying to move it into spots, but we're not in full control of our speaking capabilities. And the more you edit audio, the more you realize that. That's why you get a lot of ums and you get a lot of stumbles because my brain and my mouth aren't the same thing. It's really fascinating. I would, I would suggest everybody try it and just take something and just pick it apart meticulously. And it'll blow your mind. You can probably hear it in this episode. I do a lot of... Um, I do a lot of that stuff. Stops. Uh, or I'll, I'll, I'll start a word and stop a word. Or I, I dart in a different direction because I think of something that I forgot to include. I noticed that like when I tell things to you sometimes, and even to my guests on the other show, I start in the middle of a story. And I realize, oh shit, I started in the middle of this. And then I jump back to the beginning. And then I jump to the end because I already told you in the middle. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
it's very strange. And that's because um, my thoughts running faster than my mouth. So as I'm saying it to you, I'm already thinking about the middle part. And I start there and I realize, oh, this is what I'm saying right now doesn't make sense because I didn't tell him that other thing. Jeez, that's so weird. Yeah, it's fascinating. So even in the moment you realize that you didn't give a person context to be able to understand the scope of your story. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, then, you, and then you backtrack because you want to give them the context so that they'll have a better understanding of what you're saying. Right. Like if I said, so the doctor's telling me, oh, by the way, I was in the doctor's office because my leg hurt. You hear me do that all the time. That's exactly what I'm doing. Ah, I see. And then say, instead of saying, so I'll say, I was, in the, I was in the office because my leg hurt. Instead of again saying, so the doctor says to me, I just jump to, he says, so I leave out the whole middle part. It's, it's really fascinating, especially when you're dissecting your own, your own speech. Do you find that you're consciously doing that now that you're, you're doing so much editing and you hear your own voice over and over and over again? Not anymore. Like do you, I, I guess the, the better question is, do you find yourself being consciously aware of and or changing your speech patterns now that you know them so well? Not anymore. I think for a while, I did. Um, I think I was like very conscious of it before and thinking about it a lot. And when I would talk, I'd be like, okay, don't, okay, cut the hump, cut the um. Uh, don't, they don't need that. You know, like a lot of this back talk type stuff, they don't need that information. Don't go on a detour. Cause I do, I go on tangents. Sure. Um, but I think, uh, between doing the stuff with the guests and slowly realizing in that process that that process is more fun when I just talk to them, that released a little bit of thought. And then when we came back to do this show, just the, I don't give a fuck attitude that we do with this show has really just kind of wiped most of that away for me to where I don't even think about it. I mean, the, I, the only thing I think about with the show when I'm editing is the best parts of these episodes are usually about right now when we get about at least an hour in. Sure. Um, the beginning part where usually it's, it's, it's usually something it's not as, as deep as the stuff we do later in the episode. So I think a lot where when I'm editing, when I think about this show, I think about like, I wonder if they'll get through this conversation about, about podcasting to hear the conversation that we have about social appropriation or, mm. or cultural appropriation, I should say. Sure. Um, and that's, that's kind of as far as I go with it. But then, uh, you know, I can't change that. We talk about what we talk about. And the more we plan it, the worse this show is. Yeah, it's so strange how that works. It's, it's, I, I mean, I, I think the best versions of the show are the, are the ones... Because I, I remember the first couple of episodes, we actually tried to go in with bullet points and things like that. And I mean, I still have those to a certain extent. But the number of bullet points that I completely ignore now by the end of the episode is getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> right. Yeah, I gave up on the whole card thing and everything. I just have, you know, what I've been doing is just, you know, I normally take notes during the week anyways for everything. I have my little notebook. Um, mm -hmm. And as I go through every night, I, I go through that little notebook I carry in my pocket and go, okay, this is a calendar thing. So put this in the calendar. Uh, this is a task. So make sure that this goes into my, you know, my little paper planner that we talked about before on the right day. And then I'll see a note about something and, Okay, I'll star it. And then at the you know, the day that we're gonna record, I'll go and look and I'm like, what has stars? 
okay, maybe I could talk about that. Maybe I could talk about that and I'll write them on another piece of paper. And then I'll bring that in and maybe they'll come in. Maybe they won't. I haven't got to, I got to two of the four that I had. And uh, it's, I don't, I think it's very appropriate that even though I didn't know I was doing it at the time, that I changed the style of the artwork. At about the time that we changed the style of the show. Hmm. When we stopped focusing so much on bringing in bullet points and um, weird occurrences and all of that stuff, is also kind of the same time that I started doing the abstract covers and stopped doing the drawings. Oh, sure. So I wonder if I noticed that subconsciously. Or I wonder if you, you, you've subconsciously pushed it in the direction that your brains wanted to go. Yeah, maybe it was my, uh, what did I say? Was it or the watching self? Yeah, I, and I definitely think that for you more than anyone I've ever met, the moment that you said that, I, I, kind, of, I kind of thought that, that you might be the person that has the most, the most alive versions of both simultaneously acting in your brain. <laughs> Um, the only reason I, the only reason I say that is because, you know, I, I, there's a version of you that I speak to, like, like the version I'm speaking with right now, for example. And then there are moments where you're texting me where you sound like a completely different guy. Interesting. It's, it's really trippy actually. Um, I, I, I'm sure I could track through some of the messages to, to find it, but it's like this, it's like this meta version of you that is weirdly positive and speaks in a language that does not sound like you. <laughs> okay, you have to find that. So I'm going to tell, yeah, them, so tell them something while you look. <laughs> and, 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 in, and specifically, it, a lot of it had to do with how you were pushing me to work on this blog. Mm. Like it's a very different you. Like, I mean, just go through and read those messages and then think of, of, of the, the voice that you use for this podcast and see how starkly different they are. Yeah, I'm more of a rogue here. You know, like a, an instigator. Yeah, it's weird. And versus the other, the, the, I think I think this this side of you dares me, and the other side of you supports me. Yeah. Well, this is our playground. Yeah, it's so weird. That is so weird to think about. And I think there's there's a part of both of our brains that realize that there's some performance involved here too. I don't think that we're trying to perform, but there's a yeah, part sure. of our brain that goes, "Yeah, it would be better if you were a little bit more sarcastic right now." <laughs> <laughs> It's it's weird because I think in the older versions of the show I I was much more obviously doing that, and like the blog, I feel like the more we do this, the less I give a shit about that. Right, and I th- I think that that's the fun thing about the, watching something develop over time. You know, like you know we celebrated last week that it was episode fifty, and you know people think, well, you guys, you know, it was only really episode six because you guys were off for like a year and a half, but it kind of no. Not for us. It kind of, it's a continuum for us. You know, like I'm still in my mind, I still see this connected all the way back to the first episodes. Well, and plus people don't realize that it's not like we stopped talking to each other. Right. <laughs> you know, I still, I still, still talk to you pretty it. much every day, dude. So I mean, <laughs> you know, like it, it didn't, it didn't mean that like I, you know, I got locked in a, a cage somewhere and, and eventually you let me back out so you can talk to me again. Right, you know, like I, I just, I just wasn't a part of the show for a while, but it doesn't mean that I wasn't part of your life. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, some some of the perception that maybe people. I think even at, even though I tried to make it clear, I think some people even thought we had a falling out. Like, oh yeah, I, I actually, I actually got a few people asking me that. 
in reality, we talked to each other more when we weren't doing yeah, the show. Agreed. Totally. <laughs> because totally. we didn't have the, we got used to talking to each other every week. So like we had to like make up for that when text messages, I mean, how many like random articles, even today, how much random shit do we send back and forth? Like here, watch this. Oh, it's daily. I mean, it's it's practically daily. I mean, we have discussions about this kind of stuff, whether we're talking on the episodes or not. I mean, I, I, you know, I think we both had that moment the other week where, uh, because we took a week off and we didn't, we kind of didn't know what the hell to do with ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to have that. I should mention this right now again. If you guys are listening to this and you didn't listen to last week, we're taking two weeks off after tonight. We're not going away again. <laughs> we're, we're just taking a Christmas holiday. We're on a school schedule. I decided we might take a and, spring and, break. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's a good point. Only and if we go somewhere. Of, plus, it also gives us a chance to really dive into. Uh, oh God, I, I, I don't want. I'm not going to mention no, who we're, we're, we're studying. Definitely but don't. Holy crap! To study that person over Christmas, jeez. Oh, and an update by the way. Before I forget this, too, um, I mentioned earlier I was having heart palpitations. They finally stopped about ten minutes ago. Oh, cool. So most of this episode, I was in deep anxiety. <laughs> oh, man. It's weird because it's like two selves because I was definitely having fun. And I think that's kind of what broke me out of it. But I was definitely experiencing sure. both at the same time. I mean, I imagine from that perspective too, like you have to like, you have to transition yourself out somehow and it, and it doesn't happen right away. So, so throughout the course of the show, your anxiety is just progressively ramping down. Yeah, it's, forget, it's like the nurse said, you know, it's distracting yourself. Once I get lost, if I can get into a flow state, basically, if I get into a flow state about something, it's gone because uh, the, the flow state will usually take up the bulk of your, your mental capacity. Sure. So something that we were talking about in there, maybe it was a Christmas movie conversation. No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, man. That's um, so strange. Did you want to know something interesting? Um, I, I ran across this. This is actually on the paper, but uh, this seems like a good time to bring this up. Not because it's related, but we just had a little bump there. Um, we talked about many times in the past this idea of uh, ancient aliens and how the, the whole theory annoys me because they think that um, primitive people were stupid, right? And everybody's been saying forever, well, they don't know how they built the pyramids. Well, guess what? They know now. They found a ramp. <laughs> And to me, like, uh, there's part of me that's like, fuck you, told you. <laughs> but then there's also a part of me that's like, wait a minute. We waited fucking decades to find out it was a ramp. Like, didn't we always, didn't everybody always think like it was probably a ramp? I mean, that's like the most basic explanation. God, how 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 hilariously anticlimactic is that? Right. Um, but the the other reason I bring this up is because the fucking weirdest thing happened. Uh -oh. um, remember how I told you the the case that I wanted to investigate thing and then I turned on Unsolved Mysteries and it was that episode? Yeah. Crazy synchronicity. I topped it. Had an even weirder one. Oh, man. This one is like the Twilight Zone music should have been playing. This is like the most dead-on synchronicity moment I've ever had in my life. So I was in Pocket. Remind me to tell you something else about Pocket after this. Um, I was in pocket and I was reading this article about this ramp. And I was like, huh, that's really, you know, like I was into it. I'm like, I got to remember to tell Lamb about that because it fits into stuff we were talking about. And then I just kind of 
put my phone down and I didn't do anything right away. And I was, I had the TV paused actually to read that article. So I unpaused the TV and I watched the end of an episode of Outer Limits. And then a second one started and it got about five minutes in and I was like, you know, I better go write that ramp thing down on my paper before I forget. And so I had another thing that I wrote down before the ramp. So I'm just finishing the, the first thing and I put the pen down and I'm about to write the word ramps and on TV behind me on the outer limits is how Holbrook's the character, the actor, how Holbrook says, um, wait here, I have the quote here. I hear our science advisors understand technology the way that archeologists understand how the pyramids were built, which is to say not at all. How fucking weird is that? Like, literally, as I'm going to write it, he says it. That is weird. That is really weird. I dropped my pen. I was like, what just happened? Huh, that's crazy. So crazy. Synchronicity is real for me. I'm not going to say it's real for everybody because people will think I'm telling them what to believe. I wonder if synchronicity happens around us all the time and we're just not attuned to it like i i wonder for example like because you've been experiencing so much of it um over the past however long that you that you notice it more than most oh i definitely think there's an aspect of noticing it more but i also believe that it when you start experiencing it or actually when you start noticing it you somehow end up drawing it to yourself more too um oh, sure i was i was just talking about this with somebody earlier today um, I had lunch, lunch with uh, my friend Dave and his fiance Jen, and um, not lunch, coffee. Not that everybody needed to know that. I don't know why I had to amend that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we were talking about it uh, because she was showing me something, and um, it was something. This is a project that she hasn't released yet, so I'm not going to ruin this for her. Not that anybody knows exactly which Jen I'm talking about, but. If they look at my Instagram, then they know. But she's working on this project. And she puts puts it down because she's uh, showing me some of her work. She's like, this is the kind of stuff I do. Which, by the way, when this thing comes out, I can't wait to share it with people. It's fucking amazing. But anyways, she puts it down in front of me. And it's this thing. It's related to something that I've had five or six synchronicities over in the last week. And it's not just related to it. It's literally... The thing, like, for example, say um, I had a lot of synchronicities about Steve Young. You know, they were like t- like tangential um, things about Steve Young. Mm-hmm. And then somebody literally puts down an iPad and she's like, here's a new drawing I did. And it's a drawing of Steve Young. Well, that's weird. That's like what it was. And so we were talking about synchronicities. And uh, I think what I was saying to them, and I've never thought it before, but I think that in some way it might have to do with particles. You know, in, in the universe, you know, we know that particles are magnetic. Well, and that we know that in nature, things of the like collect. You know, things of, of similarity collect. So sure. what if that works? You know, what if thoughts have particles? You know, that we haven't necessarily, uh, you know, people refer to it as frequencies. But what if it's like particles? They're just particles we haven't seen yet. And so if you're thinking about this thing, then other things that are related to that draw themselves closer to that because of magnetism. Hmm. You know, it's, it's just a theory, but like, it's, it seems like, like, why not? Why, why can't it be that? 
it doesn't have to be some mystical like um you know message from some entity it could just be some weird part of science that we don't understand yet that thoughts are i mean why wouldn't thoughts be part of the physical universe why why, you know, why do we assume they're different it still shocks me how little we really understand about the universe and about the human brain you know, I, I, I was watching a YouTube video the other day about how the physics of, oh man, I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to botch this hard. Um, but how, how, how our concept of physics in a mirror changes in the, the world of the mirror and how we can't reconcile that in science. Yeah. There's a lot of weird little hiccups in science where they go, this is true. And then you get to one part and they're like, but we can't explain why that happens. Yep. We're not sure why that's happening, but it is what it is. <laughs> but that's, the, that's the thing that um, people who are, um, I wouldn't say opposed to science, but people that criticize science don't understand is that science knows that. And science doesn't deny that, that the whole theory of science is that it's an evolutionary process of learning that uh, we know that we only have parts. And as we learn more parts, everything might change because there- Go ahead. Sorry. Well, because just anything, you know, like a, you think you know where a car moves, but then somebody shows you when an engine is and you go, oops, I was wrong. This is how a car moves. Well, there's also, I agree with that and I vehemently disagree with that um, to a certain extent. I think I think we, we, we love to have some comfort in knowing that we know something, even if it might inherently not be true. You know, I think about, you know... Um, the extension, the, how, how the dinosaurs died uh, or, and, and, and certain things we understood about history, things we understood about the colonization of North America and stuff like that. And I, I, I see how strongly the establishment held on to quote-unquote known beliefs for such a long time until the evidence was just so overwhelming that you had to overturn it. Well, yeah, you also have to understand that that's important, that it happens that way. It's sure, I agree. It's not. I'm not saying that I disagree with them. I'm just saying that that we sometimes hold on very tightly to our believed notions. You know, right? And the reason we do that is because that's that's how we maintain stability in society. Um, this is one of the things that people are trying to figure out how to deal with is this idea of the singularity, right? That, that technology will soon get to the point where um, it, it it's continually updating. Or it's not, you know, like a new iOS every year. It's like a new iOS every hour or every five minutes that it's continually sure. updating. And that, um, that how are we going to deal with that? Because then we have no sense of stability. Where will we pull our stability for? So people, this actually goes back to the beginning of our conversation about conservatism. People hold on to these things because they need to. Um, because it, it gives them some sort of, of tangible thing for their um, psychological state. You know, like people, some people, and I'm not going to ever say this for everyone, but some people need to believe in God because if there wasn't, they don't feel like there's anything that tethers them to reality without it. And uh, it's a terrifying feeling. And it's the same thing with uh, anything you believe politically or anything you believe uh, this is this is strange, but it's true. Um, people who believe really racist things, they're latching onto those racist beliefs in the same way because they're going, I have to believe this is true because I've based all of this on it. And without that, it all falls down. Uh, so we hold on to things 
as long as we possibly can because we don't know how to exist in that free floating state of not knowing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm shocked at how how certain we need to be, and I'm and I'm not I'm not at all saying that I'm any different. You know, the the, the beliefs I, I I know I know to a degree that is probably unhealthy and incorrect, but you know, like I I I. I I, I, I would like to not think that way. I would like to not be that way. I'd like to to give myself the option to to feel and think more freely about the the world as I know it. You know, but I'm, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what the counter is. To me. Like, like there there must be a balance point, right? Like you can't just not believe that anything's true because that's right. just insanity. Exactly. You know. But by that same token, um, you have to be open minded enough to to take empirical evidence and to be able to come to conclusions about it. You have to be able to make assumptions. And believe those assumptions. But then it's also really important to understand that there's a possibility that your assumption is wrong and that it can be, it can be shown to be wrong. And you have to be willing to let it go when, it, when that happens. Um, and I think that's the line. It's the balance is at the line. Is the line is where, where, you're, where you define enough when it comes to evidence. Sure. And, and that's why... As much as it frustrates people who see the overwhelming amount of evidence of climate change, I'm not shocked that there are people who don't believe it because it hasn't passed the threshold for them. And, it, sure. and people take this as a judgment of those people as, as human beings. It's not a judgment of the human beings. It's literally a judgment of the amount of evidence that it takes for them to change their mind. And if you look at everything else in their life, they require the same amount of evidence to change their mind. That's why a lot of them are religious. Because, uh, actually, I shouldn't say, that's, that's why you see a connection between that and religion. You know, the, they're not going to change their mind about Jesus. And because, you know, it, it, you'd have to prove a lot for them to change their mind about Jesus. And they apply that same threshold to things like climate change and these other things. It's, it's, we're, one thing as human beings, we are, when it comes to the way we operate on a subconscious level, we're consistent. Sure. It's it's the conscious stuff that we're inconsistent with. All the unconscious stuff that we have no control over, we're super consistent. Which is terrifying. <laughs> because that means yeah. all of our weaknesses show up everywhere. Well, not only that, but they not they not only show up everywhere, they show up all the time. <laughs> yes. Uh before I forget, I, I was I said I want to tell you one more thing about Pocket. Uh I want you to get on Pocket. Because uh, I, I literally have no idea what that is. It's it's like a Instapaper or whatever. It's like a read it later service. When you see something, you save it into there, and then you can then you have like this collection of stuff to look at later. It's like a bookmark, basically, right? The uh -huh. reason the reason I say that is because you can have a um, you can share stuff with friends. So when and I'm, the reason I'm doing this on the show is because other people might want to do this with their friends instead of clogging each other's text messages up with here watch this podcast hey read this here listen to this and then having to dig through text messages to find those things you can actually send them between pocket and it just sits there and then when you look at it you go okay I looked at that and then it takes it out of there oh cool so it's it's a really nice and that's that's not like the main feature but that's like a really great feature for for you to use with a friend where you actually, you know, because we don't send things to other people hoping they'll look at them. We send them wanting them to look at them. You know what I mean? So sure. when you send somebody an article and then you have like a 25 
back and forth text message, you know they're never going to go see that thing from above because they're not going to scroll back. They forgot already. So being able yeah. to have something in a separate place is really useful, I think. Do you have do you have a place both for you and for them? Because I'll say sometimes I want to look back at stuff that I want to send someone to as well. Uh, wait, say what? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my head around what I just oh. said right now. <laughs> so so if someone <laughs> sends me something, yeah. <laughs> hold on, I need to laugh right now. <laughs> I'm not even sure what the hell. <laughs> I ran that three times through my head and I'm like, I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I, I, I tried to even take the same words and restructure them in my head and I couldn't make sense out of it. All right, so let's start over again. Okay, so you have so you have a place for other people like where you store like... <laughs> uh, I, I feel like we smoked weed in this episode. Yeah, it's like talking about anxiety gives you anxiety. Apparently talking about weed gets you high. Oh, man. All right. So let's try this a third time. time. <laughs> okay. So you you save links from things, right? Mm-hmm. And is there a separate place for stuff that people are sending you versus you sending them? Yes. So you have your list, which is anything that you've saved in there yourself. And then there's archive, which is a great place when you look at something, but then you're like, I might want to see that again. Archive it instead of deleting it. Got it. Um, you can favorite things. I use favorites to automatically push it out to my social media. So when I favorite something, if this, then that will push it out to social media. Um, you can highlight things, um, but then under that is shared to me. And that's all the stuff that people have shared to you. Okay, got it. And I believe it tells you... Who, obviously, I don't have anybody on here with me, but I believe it tells you who shared it with you. Huh, interesting. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome because... Then you you know you're like I want to I want to check out that trailer, but I'm probably not going to remember it's in my text messages. So you put it in there, and then you know like a week later you're like, well, let me go through my pocket. Oh, that's right, I was going to watch this, and then you can text the person and talk about it. I think that's also a really clever name because it becomes a really easy way to describe what you're doing. Exactly, you're pocketing it for later. Yeah. Um, speaking of sharing stuff, we should probably give a little update on the Discord server. Oh yeah, sure. It's been there's a little bit of life in there. It's, it's coming to life a little bit. You know, you've been in there. I've been in there. Vinny's been in there. Uh, Roxanne's been in there. Devon's been in there. Um, so if if this is first time anybody's listening, we have um, Holy Fool has what's called a Discord server. I'm going to keep this very brief. If you know what Slack is, it's basically Slack. Um, if you don't know what Slack is, Google it, <laughs> or just Google Discord, <laughs> or just or just get Discord. Um, but you have channels, and you can share stuff in those channels. Some of the channels I have set up are pub are um, what's called announcement channels, where only I'm pushing stuff out, and only people you just go in and you look. It's not for interacting; it's just for seeing stuff. And that's for like uh, announcements and stuff like that. But then there are some channels for interaction. And I also have I have public facing channels. So all of the channels where you where you can just look at stuff, those are public facing channels. The channels where there are interactions are for premium members, for Patreon patrons. And uh, let's see, for the patrons, we have a recommended channel. So a recommended channel is um, me and Lamb. 
and any former guests that have been on uh, the Creative Mind Show will go in there and say, hey, I really like this book. Hey, I really like this movie. Hey, I really like this podcast episode or whatever. And then maybe one, two sentences why they liked it. And then so patrons can go in there and patrons would be able to look and also recommend stuff. Um, there's also a book club for patrons. So I just post a book and then if people want to read it and talk about it, I provided a place for that. The public stuff is where I'm, why I brought this up. So the public stuff is one channel is a place for people to share their favorite parts of Random Badassery episodes and Creative Minds episodes. So if you listen to an episode and you're like, I really like that part when you guys talked about that, you can go in there and post that. And then other people can do the same and you know we can learn about what other people are interested in. And you can build a little bit of community there. And then in the guest list. The guest list is a place where former guests and Lamb and I can share news. You know, like uh, Lamb can go in there and say, hey, I'm blogging every day. Go over here and follow my blog. And, uh, you know, like somebody like David Knight, who was a musician and was a guest on Creative Minds, can go in there and say, I have a new album. It's called Isles. Download it here. And so it's, it's a way for people to keep up on that stuff. But what's really cool is one thing I didn't plan on. Vinny LePay, uh, first guest of season two on Creative Minds, had this wonderful idea. He said, and unfortunately, this is nothing that any of you will be able to access, but this is exciting that there's a community going on. He said, is there a place where former guests can talk to other former guests? Huh. And so I created a channel in there for get former guests to talk to other former guests so they could get to know each other. And who knows, maybe some collaborations and stuff will happen from that. But because of that, I think that's going to drive former guests to use the other channels, the public channels and, and the patron-only channels more because they have more reasons to be in there. So if you guys aren't in there, go in there. Go check it out. It's not full of stuff. It's not jam-packed. It's a really easy, low-maintenance thing where you can see some recommendations and you can see a few things and you can participate in a few things and then just leave it alone for a couple of days and then come back. So Also, also um, isn't it weird how, how some things just seem like a no-brainer the, the moment someone says it? Uh, that wasn't what I was going to say, but um, for any of you out there, if, because the, the few people who have approached me about the show... Um, would like to ask us questions by all means, ask us questions in that channel. Um, and we will actually, I'll make will, the questions channel. Oh, that's a good idea actually. Yeah. And, and in, in that questions, I, I, I would like to make it questions and suggestions too. So if you have anything super weird, you want us to either look at or talk about, um, you can throw it in there as well. We're not going to promise that we're going to talk about any of it, but we promise we'll look at it. And I'll also, I'll also say that if you find interesting, weird stuff or anything, or just anything that you think that Lamb and I would be interested in and other people, you can post those to Reddit. Oh, sure. The Reddit's a great place for, you know, like maybe you're not, um, you're not necessarily like, hey, guys, watch this for the episode, but just like, hey, everybody that likes this show, here's a cool thing that other people that like this show might like. And that's what it's for. So the links for those are in every episode. So check those out and i didn't intend to intend that to be a plug but i'm just really excited to see slowly this little community building it's really exciting yeah that's really interesting plus it's kind of the thing that that you were talking about wanting all along 
Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like it's, it's, it's what we've been fighting for for three and a half years. I think that's, that's something interesting too. You know how, like you said that the perception to some people was that we, we had like a falling out. Um, and then in reality, that wasn't what it was at all. Well, I think for a lot of people too, the perception of a lot of these things is like, oh, here's a new idea. They're trying something new. Nope. Nope. This is literally the stuff that we wanted to do from the beginning. We're just finally finding the parts and components that seem the most reasonable. And I've and tried a lot way, of different ways. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not for a lack of trying a hundred different mediums to figure out that answer either. Right. Like the book club thing, I've tried, this would be my third time trying a book club. And I learned something important each time. First time I tried to do a book club via Slack. And then I found out that that didn't work because people didn't actually read the book. So they didn't show up to talk about it. So it was just me in there alone. And that was a very small group. So I, I learned, I'm like, okay, you have, to, you have to open up a book club to more people. So then I decided when I was going to do it again, I was going to open it up to all the listeners of Creative Minds. So I created a Facebook group. What did I learn from that? The interaction rate on Facebook groups is minuscule because it gets buried in all of the fake Russian posts about the pol- about politics. <laughs> <laughs> um, it gets it just gets buried in all of the junk and 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 not the junk, you know, like um, family pictures and stuff like that. It's it's in that same feed. So the book club, the participation was very small. So I I, I announced that it was an experiment and. It, well, let's see what happens in the next couple months and not much happens. So I said, okay, experiment over. So now uh, what I've learned is I'm not going to try to make it happen. I'm literally just going to go in there every month and say, this is the book. And if somebody decides they want to read it and post something about it, they can. And if somebody else wants to talk to them, they can. And uh, it's up to other people to make that happen. And, uh, this month's book, by the way, is How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. So you can read about psychedelics. Nice. And to clarify, once again, that's for patrons only. Uh, that's, that's the other thing that we've been slowly working towards is a sustainable model. We talked about this a little bit last week. But the idea of not having to be, um, you know, having like 10 million listeners and still being able to make this into something that's sustainable. And that includes premium content, which, you know, Lamb's mentioned a bunch of times in this episode, these things that we're talking about, you know, like uh, artist profiles and stuff, that's going to be included in the premium content. So the idea here... And we would love to do it more and more. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I would love to get to a point where we were doing at least one thing of premium content a month. uh, Sure. Of big things, you know, like that. You know, there's other... If you get if you're a patron, you get early access to the episodes, which un, unfortunately, because of um, editing lately, has only been like four or five hours early, <laughs> not a couple of days. I don't I don't edit episodes that early, but you get early access to those. And then I'm going to create. I'm trying to create like a document library of things um, back there. That's as much as I'm going to say. But the main thing is you would support this, and the idea behind all of this is is hey. You want to listen to the podcast? It's there. It's free. That's 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 available to you. But if you love the podcasts, if you love those and you want more, there is more. That's just premium. Sure. So nobody's losing anything. They're just not able to access the more. And I, I think that's a fair way to do it. At least... Uh, go ahead. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm thinking of like... 
Mm, no, that's right. <laughs> I'll leave that there. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we're now discussing back end and things, and I I, I, th- I feel like that's probably better served on on a conversation that's not during the actual episode itself. Probably, yeah. So this is basically just a commercial <laughs> for yeah, exactly. Patreon, exactly. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to do that because I'm proud of what we're going to do, and I I, I think I'm pr- I'm I'm. I'm willing to finally say, you know, that I'm proud of all the stuff that I put out and I'm not embarrassed to say, support it, support it because I believe it's valuable. And if you do too, then you should do that. And, you know, like that includes all of those other things that people ask you to do, like rate and review. This is, you know, like this is part of the whole thing for us is this is part of the conversation. This isn't something, you know, like I have a little script here and I'm like, remember to tell them about this. This is the kind of stuff Lamb and I talk about anyways. This is, you know, like we're trying to figure out how to make things awesome and give people um, like you value. Because what's the, what's the fuck is the point of, of publishing this stuff if, if we don't think it's valuable? You know, that's, that's just silly. So I think we've reached a point in the past few years where we're finally confident We've had a Patreon since the beginning. I've never plugged it. That's kind of sad. Huh. That is a little sad. I mean, literally. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't even realize that you hadn't. That's weird. We, I mentioned it here and there, but never actually worked. It, and I never put anything in there either. You know, I was just wondering. I didn't understand what Patreon was and all this stuff. But it's because I wasn't confident enough to do it. Um. And it's understandable. You're like, hey, I'm a new podcaster. My podcast probably sucks because I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Please support me. Yeah, that doesn't work so well. But I think mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've cut our teeth enough that whoever's here, they know what we're producing. Maybe not on this show because this show is, has less viewers than the other show. But uh, I did plug the hell out of this show this week on, on this week's episode of Creative Minds. So who knows? <laughs> if you were one of the people that filtered over from Creative Minds and you listen to me talk about all that Patreon stuff, you're awesome. We should be friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we've done two hours. I think we've done our due diligence. Holy crap. Have we done two hours? Yeah, and I have to piss really bad. So, <laughs> Jeez, these, God, these fly by now. They're getting progressively longer. That's crazy to me because they actually feel like they're getting shorter. That's so odd. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll get up to four hours. Holy shit. At least I don't have heart palpitations. That's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would encourage anyone who listens to this um, to listen the way we listen, which is at like double speed. Yes. Yeah. I listen to everything at double speed. Two, 2.5 speed with trim silence. You know, the only person I don't listen to at, at high speed is Rogan. Oh, that's hard because he talks really slow. Yeah, I, I and I like it though. I like the nuances. Hmm. The, the only thing I don't listen to at, at double speed is uh, Song Exploder. <laughs> because uh, the, yeah, that too. That the, would be the music and fast forward is not awesome. <laughs> yeah, and especially if you have certain episodes like the Metallica episode would have been tough. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, guys. Well, if you want to follow Lamb, you can find him at The Vacant Room on Twitter, at The Vacant Room on Instagram, and thevacantroom.com is where my blog currently resides. And by the way, you guys can do what I do with Lamb's blogs is if you got if you have Pocket, if you got, you like the English there, if you have Pocket and you have If This Then That, <laughs> then you can go over and you can add his URL, I mean his RSS feed 
to if this, then that. And every time he publishes something about 15 minutes later, it'll dump that right into your pocket. So you, you sound like you sound like Mickey Rourke from uh, Iron Man 2. I have pocket. <laughs> if you got you pocket. In, you put in pocket if you have pocket. <laughs> so if you want to do that, that's what I do. And then if you want to find me on social media and see all the random stuff I post, you can go to Instagram and find Holy Fool Productions, all one word. You go to Facebook, search for Holy Fool Productions, or you can go to Twitter and just find Holy Holy Fool. Or you can go to the website and you can follow my journal, which is essentially my blog. I'm doing dailies as well. And you can uh, you can get it emailed to your inbox every morning, as well as uh, Mondays and Thursday afternoons. You'll receive notification of the new episode of Creative Minds and the new episode of Random Badassery. So you don't have to miss anything. I'm getting really good at this advertising voice. <laughs> Lama, final word? Um, nothing other than happy holidays and uh, love the people you love. Oh yeah, happy holidays. Let's piss. Oh.